Well, we're up to 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 this morning, and uh, it's actually a bit of a tough couple of chapters to speak from. Uh, you probably could tell from the reading that these chapters are all about being generous with our money. But there's so much variation uh, in terms of money and generosity, and we don't like being told what to do with our money, but look, here we are this morning, and uh, it's God telling us what to do with our money. And his bottom line is, whether you're rich or poor, because of Jesus, be generous. Now, the essence of generosity is giving away. It's not keeping things for yourself. It's sharing with others, giving them to others. But before we have a look at this, I want to ask, I want you to answer a question. When it comes to how much money you have and whether or not you're generous, where would you put yourself? Someone who has a lot of money or some money and is generous or someone who has money and isn't? Or would you be someone who's poor but is generous or someone who has not much money and isn't generous. Because depending on where you are, what we're going to read here could mean you need to open your eyes and realise you can spend your money on more than just yourself. Or it could mean that you're making lifestyle choices that actually make it hard for you to be generous. These chapters might mean you need to be more deliberate in the way you handle your money so you can be generous. Or they could be a terrific encouragement for you to keep on going in being generous, as you are. But we need to be honest with ourselves and we need to be willing to go where the word of God takes us. Uh, The background to these chapters, 8 and 9, is that at the time, the Jewish Christians back in the land of Judea were doing it tough, real tough. So Paul was arranging for some of the Gentile churches to put together a collection of money to help their Jewish Christian brothers out. The Corinthians were included in the collection. They said that they would give money. Paul wrote these chapters to encourage them to come good on their word. So let's have a look at chapter 8. First thing that Paul teaches about Uh, being generous is why we should be generous for the corinthians paul had two reasons Uh, the first was that the macedonian churches were going gangbusters in being generous and so he didn't want the corinthians to look bad but the second reason that paul gives as to why they're to be generous is not just true for the corinthians but it's true for all christians we're to be generous because christ was generous the reason we're to give our money away is because for our sakes, Jesus gave just about everything away. Have a look, chapter 8 and verse 8. I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. When thinking through whether you should be generous or not, Paul says, just compare yourself to Jesus and his generosity for your sake. Because though Christ was rich, yet for your sakes, he became poor. Now, in saying that Christ was rich, Paul's talking about Christ before he came to earth. God the Son, with the Father, in eternal glory, eternally powerful, eternally glorious, with all of heaven's creatures bowing down before him, Christ was rich beyond our imagination. And yet, for our sakes, God the Son became poor by becoming human. And so the one who made the universe now needed his mum to change his nappy. The one who, had, who never slumbers became tired. The one who had only ever lived in perfect harmony with his heavenly father, now he knew the temptation to <coughs> sin. Now, he never gave in, but he genuinely wrestled with the temptation to sin. 
And then, of course, his poverty reaches the lowest point of desperation when the one who had lived forever, the one who could not die, he died. And the Lord Jesus didn't just let himself die, but he let people strip him naked, beat him senseless, and nail him to a cross. We hear of tales of rags to riches. Uh, You know the story of Oliver Twist? There's never been a tale of riches to rags as desperate as this one. And we need to remember that Christ did all this for our sakes. Look again, halfway through verse 9. For your sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. The key to understanding why we should be generous is getting a handle on the fact that in Christ you're already rich. But not just rich with flimsy things like money or wealth, but in Christ we've been made rich with the forgiveness of our sins, the treasure of certain salvation from God's coming judgment. We've been given the gift of God's own spirit. God is our Father. We're his precious sons and daughters. Through Christ, we're the temple of God. God makes his home among us. We are rich beyond our wildest dreams. And when you get this, then the appeal of money and possessions is obliterated. I mean, what could money even pretend to offer us that would even come close to what we have in Jesus? Why would we store up treasure on earth when we've already got eternal treasure in heaven? What possible seduction could money entice us with that would appeal to us more than Jesus? It's like trying to get us to eat a rotten orange when somebody's already given us a beautiful fresh peach. Money, shmoney. We've got Jesus. We We don't need to keep our money for ourselves because Christ has made us rich. We can be generous. So how do we do it? How do we go about being generous? Well, Paul's got two ways that we go about it. And the first is that we're to be generous by planning to be generous. Paul basically says, if you're going to give your money away, then plan to give and then give. Look at chapter 8, verse 10. Here is my advice about what's best for you in this matter. Last year, you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now, finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it, according to your means. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what he does not have. Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but that there might be equality. See, Paul's just saying, you said you'd give your money, so do it, complete it, finish it, come good on your word, give willingly, according to your means. He's not wanting them to become poor, while they're being generous, he just wants them to willingly give the money that they said they would. And the best way to do that is to plan for it. Turn back with me, please, to 1 Corinthians, just a couple of pages, 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 1. Paul had spoken to the Corinthians about this collection in this letter, and he gives them some concrete advice on how to raise their money. And what we'll see is that willing generosity is planned generosity. 1 Corinthians 16 verse 1. Now about the collection for God's people, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income, saving it up, so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. See, how do you be generous? It's simple, isn't it? Plan to give, then give. In keeping with your income, according to your means, on a regular basis, set aside money to give, 
and then give. You'd be willingly generous by planning for it. And this applies as much to you if you're a teenager with a job as it does to anyone else in this room. In fact, the earlier you get this sort of stuff sorted out, the better. So many of us have a budget. We plan what to give, uh, sorry, what to spend and what to save, but do we plan what to give? Because it's easy to lose track of things, isn't it? You know, you, you end up spending a little bit more than you thought you would, and so to pay for the extra, it's tempting to eat into the money that we set aside to give away. That's assuming that you did budget for it. But like Paul said to the Corinthians, if you're going to give your money away, then come good on it. We want to be generous. We've already, we're already rich in Jesus, so it's just a case of committing to our planned generosity, not just budgeting for it, but doing it. Now, an example of something that helps to make sure you commit is direct debit. Uh, we do it for our phone, our electricity. Why not do it for your giving? Catherine and I, personally, we find this very helpful. But look, you don't have to use direct debiting, but what are you going to do to make sure that you give your money, make sure you're generous? Because if, if, you, don't, if you do nothing, then what you plan to give might not actually be given in the end. Now, God's word in encouraging us to plan to give is a very helpful word, I think, especially for us here in Australia, because by any measure, we live in a rich country. And look, I know that in this room, there is a wide variety uh, when it comes to how much people have. But we also have a roof over our heads, food on our table, clothes on our backs, and many of us have much, much more. We all have much to be generous with. So if you're one of those people or one of those families that struggle to be generous, it might not be because you're poor. It might be because you're making lifestyle choices that make it hard to be generous. Sometimes our lifestyle choices can be smuggled in as reasons why we can't be generous. But you don't have to live in the size house you do. And you don't have to drive the car you drive. You don't have to have that size TV. You don't have to have the latest gadgets. If you appeal to the size of your debt as to why you can't be generous, then can I gently say, all that shows is that your lifestyle is more important to you than being generous. God's rescue of us out of this is to remind us that for our sakes, Christ became poor so that we could be rich, truly rich, in Jesus. And so instead of spending money on ourselves, we want to be generous. And in particular, generous for the sake of God's people and God's kingdom, like the Corinthians themselves are being urged to do. Now, look, I'm not saying that you can't give your money to things like the Pakistan flood or, or anything like that. But if God's people don't give money for God's kingdom and for the sake of God's people, then who will? Who else is going to raise the funds for churches and mission organisations and Bible colleges and ministry training and Christian literature? We want to give our money to these things because through these things, people are hearing of Jesus. People are being saved for eternity. People are thanking and praising God as they hear of Christ. These are eternal things. They're worthy things. They're things to generously throw your money at. All right, take a breath. Where have we come so far? Uh, first, we saw the reason to be generous is because Christ himself was generous. And through his generosity, we've become rich. Paul then turned his attention to how we can be generous. First way, plan for it. Second way, second way we're to be generous is that we're to do it cheerfully. 
back in uh, 2 Corinthians now, and at the end of chapter 8, Paul details uh, the, for how the collection, for the Corinthians, how the collection will be handled, making sure everything's above board. Then in chapter 9, Paul moves on to this second way of the Corinthians to be generous. Because he knows they are generous people, and so now he's going to zero in not just on them being generous, but on them being cheerfully generous. Chapter 9, verse 1. There's no need for me to write to you about this service to the saints, for I know your eagerness to help, and I've been boasting about it to the Macedonians, telling them that since last year you and Achaia were ready to give, and your enthusiasm has stirred most of them to action. See, Paul knows of the Corinthian generosity. In fact, he's boasting of them. And there's people in this room we could boast about, isn't there? There's people here who are rich and generous. People here who are poor and generous. And generous not just with your money, but with your time and with your food and with your home and with your energy. You look out for people so that you can help them. You give so much of yourself and what you have. You sit loosely to the money that you have, whether it's a lot or whether it's a little, because you understand that true riches are found in Jesus and you generously give of your worldly riches. Good on you. Good on you. And keep it up. Keep loving God more than this world. Keep, keep thanking God for all his goodness. Keep remembering that through Christ you've been made rich in heavenly riches, eternal riches, and so keep giving generously. Good on you. But look back to the Corinthians, and since Paul knows that they're generous, he moves on to them not just giving generously, but giving cheerfully. Verse 5. Chapter 9, verse 5. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to visit you in advance and finish the arrangements for the generous gift you had promised. Then it will be ready as a generous gift, not as one grudgingly given. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Give generously, give cheerfully, because God loves a cheerful giver. Now that's a hard sell in our greed-crazed culture. But there you have God's countercultural word to his people, to you and me this morning. Give generously, give cheerfully. It's an attitude thing here, isn't it? As we've been working our way through these verses, have you noticed what hasn't been said? There's been nothing in these chapters about tithing. There's no mention of commandments. There's no guilt trip being laid on here. In the New Testament, God simply says to us, give generously, give cheerfully. Whatever you've decided in your heart to give, Give cheerfully. Now, it's hard to give cheerfully if you're thinking about what else you could have had with the money that you gave away. There's always going to be that bitter taste in your mouth if you're regretting being generous because of the things you've gone without, because you didn't buy that house, because you didn't get that plasma television, or you didn't get that cubby house for the kids, or that new phone, or that new computer, or that home renovation. If by being generous... You've got to put those sort of things on the back burner and you resent it or you'll be a reluctant giver, not a cheerful giver. And look, if in all honesty that's how you find yourself, you find yourself longing for the things of this world, can I gently suggest that you haven't really understood that you've already been made rich, that in Christ you've already got the heavenly wealth of being forgiven of your sin saved from God's coming wrath 
made into one of God's precious children, given God's Holy Spirit, guaranteed eternal life with God, declared righteous before God. You genuinely, truly know God. Christ Jesus himself is your brother, your Lord, your Saviour. And when you've been given all of this by God, when you have all of this in Christ, but you still find yourself longing for money and gadgets and wealth, it's like longing for pig slop when you've already got a five-course roast dinner on the table. But look, when you do understand the riches that we have in Christ, well, we can be generous. We can cheerfully give. We, and given all that we have in Jesus, what could cheer your heart more than giving our money to champion his cause? It's our delight to give our money so that Christians are supported, that more people hear of Christ, that church leaders are trained. We've got heaven's riches. And so we give our earthly riches that others would share in Christ. And God also promises that he who gives generously will also reap generously. This is where Paul finishes these chapters, encouraging God's people to be generous. If you give lots away... God will send lots back your way. Have a look at verse 6, chapter 9, verse 6. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. If you give lots away, God will send lots back your way. Sound good? But just in case you're getting a little bit excited at the prospect of God giving you more money back when you give it away, if even now you found yourself enticed by the idea that God's going to give you money, you need to realise that you just made God out to be a stinge, as if he'd give you pig slop when he could give you a roast dinner. And God's not like that. Whoever sows generously will reap generously, but they will reap true riches. As I read the next few verses, note what it is that God's people will reap, what they'll be given. So have a look, chapter 9, verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. You see, what God's people will reap is grace and good works. Verse 10. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. See, here God gives his people things to be generous with, and as we're generous with them, we reap righteousness. On to verse 11. You will be made rich in every way, so that you can be generous on every occasion, and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Here what we reap is God's praise, as people thank God for our generosity. Now I know that the beginning of verse 11 sounds like what we reap is money when it says you will be made rich in every way. But sadly, the translation here is actually unhelpful. Uh, Where it says you will be made rich in every way, it should read, you are enriched in every way. Uh, Paul's talking about what God's already done for the Corinthians, not about what God will do for them in the future. All Paul's saying in this verse is that God has already given them all they have, including their wealth, and it's so that they can be generous in every way, including giving their money away. And as they do, people give thanks to God. So these verses aren't talking about um, God promising us wealth. He's not saying that if you be generous in giving your money, 
he'll enrich you and send you more money. No, he's saying that if you be generous in your wealth, then he'll send you more grace and more righteousness and more glory will go to him as people thank him. And look, if you find that a bit of a letdown, you'd prefer the version where, where you give money away and God will send you more back. If that's you, then somehow you're finding the fading light of money and wealth more dazzling than God's kindness and righteousness. You're settling for pig slop rather than a roast. But look, we don't want to be like that. Because though Christ was rich for our sakes, he became poor, so that through his poverty we might become rich. God has given us eternal, heavenly, glorious, unshakable riches that make money and wealth seem like rubbish. So where has the word of God taken us this morning? Well, it's that because of Christ, we can be generous with whatever we have. So are you willing to go where the word of God has taken you? Maybe you're already generous. And that's terrific. Keep it up. Keep remembering the riches that you have in Jesus. But in all honesty, maybe you're not generous and you need to change. If so, will you? Will you spend the time reading the scriptures to understand more the riches you have in Jesus? Will you go home and plan your giving? And will you do it cheerfully? Because though Christ was rich for our sakes, he became poor so that through his poverty we might become rich. I'll pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for the riches that we have in your Son, the riches that you have given us, the riches that have come through his poverty. Thank you for his incredible uh, kindness and sacrifice for our sake, that we might be forgiven, made into your children, be given your spirit, guaranteed eternal life. Father, none of this and so much more, we, we deserve none of it, and yet we receive it from your Son. And so, Father, we thank you for your incredible generosity to us in your Son, and we're asking that you would so shape our hearts and our minds to understand all that you've given us in him, that we would then be generous with all that we have for his sake. Amen.